I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 103, I'm going to talk to Chris and Rolayo Ogbanaya, who lead the church in Lagos, Nigeria. They share about what it was like as a disciple in the early days of the Lagos church. They talk about sharing with hundreds every single day on the way to work. They share about what were some of the difficult times they faced early in their ministry career and how they've helped the church grow from one church to over 29 in West Africa. And finally, they talk about their handing the leadership to another couple and helping churches outside of Lagos. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I want to start this episode by sharing a little bit of good news from Flagstaff, Arizona. It's June of 2021. Pam and I are up here for about a month to help the planting get off the ground and to train Brian and Abby Mackey, who are leading the church. Been praying to meet some people while we're here. And Pam and I were in a park, met a couple who were looking for a church. They came out to church. They want to study the Bible. That is so exciting for, for Pam and I. We were praying to God, help us to find open people. This last Wednesday, we were in a coffee shop. Pam talked to a guy. He's 41. He's a financial planner who's really searching spiritually. And I gave him my number and said, hey, call me. I'd love to talk to you. The next day, he texted me and said, I'd like to follow up with you. I really enjoyed meeting you. So I was so happy about that. So God is working here. He's he's forming the team. If you're interested in Flagstaff, just get a hold of me. There's another thing I want to let you know about. We are looking for a campus leadership couple. And we, we've had a transition from our previous leaders, and we're looking for a campus leadership couple, or, or it could be a single. What I'd need you to do is to go ahead and email me at rob at robskinner.com with your resume, and we can look it over and start talking at that point. I want to invite you to the 2021 Small Church Leadership Conference. The theme is CLIMB. This is for anyone who wants to grow, who's leading a small ministry or small church, and who desires to get inspired and get encouraged coming out of COVID. This is the second conference that we've had. The first one we entitled Look Up, this one is called CLIMB. It's December 2nd through 5th, 2021, December 2nd through 5th of this year in Dallas, Texas. We're staying at the Marriott Las Colinas. We've arranged hotel prices of $109 per night. Early registration is $125 until June 30th. Then it goes up to $150 until August 31st. And after that, it'll be $175. So please, you don't want to miss this event. It's going to be so inspiring, so encouraging, so equipping. You can register today at robskinner.com and look for the Climb Conference tab. That's robskinner.com forward slash climb dash conference. I look forward to seeing you in Dallas in December of 2021.
Today on my program, I've got Chris and Rolayo Ogbanaya. Chris and Rolayo were both baptized in Lagos, Nigeria, almost 32 years ago, in 1989. That was the same year that the Lagos Church was planted by the London Church. They started in the full-time ministry in 1991, and then they got married in 1993. They have two children, Stephanie, who's 26, and Daniel, who's 22. Both are disciples. Since that time, they've served as evangelist and women's ministry leader in various regions and ministries in Lagos. They led the church in Accra, Ghana, from 2001 to 2003. Before joining the full-time ministry, Relia was running her private legal practice, and Chris was an aspiring law student. Both gave up their secular ambitions to pursue the call to serve as missionaries in the kingdom of God. Chris and Relia have led the Lagos Church, the Nigeria and West African churches, from 2004 till just a few weeks ago when they handed the Lagos leadership to Chide and Biola Oho. Presently, they now oversee the churches across Nigeria and English-speaking West Africa, which includes 29 churches in all. As regional family chairs, they also direct the School of Missions in Lagos. Chris has been serving in the Catalyst team, team of the ICOC since 2018 and Rolayo in the Women's Service Team. Chris and Rolayo, it's wonderful to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you. Chris and Rolayo, how'd you guys become Christians? Well, I think, I think our stories are very different. Um, but uh, funny, we became Christians the same year, but we only met you know, as young Christians in church later on that year. But I was invited to church by an old schoolmate of mine. We uh, both um, had gone to school together in the university and we had both graduated, but we kept in touch and we had a good friendship. And she got invited to a Bible talk by another you know, schoolmate of ours who had just gotten baptized in London earlier in 1989. So my friend, you know, was studying the Bible and she invited me along to also come and study the Bible. She was so excited about just meeting the church and seeing this new body of believers. I remember she called it that and she asked me to come along for a Bible talk. I put her off for, I don't know, I guess about two or three weeks or something like that, because I just felt I didn't want to be bothered with this new fellowship and all they were doing. But eventually I decided, you know what, just to get her off my back, I eventually just <laughs> accepted the invitation. <laughs> so I really showed up this faithful Tuesday and I, I went to the Bible talk and honestly from that day I never looked back. I began studying the Bible the very next day, got baptized I guess about a week or two after that and that was in September 1989 and I haven't looked back since. That was how I became a Christian. That was way back in September 89. Yeah and um, I too uh, got baptized 20 uh, September 24th uh, 1989. Um, Sorry, October 24th, mm-hmm. October 24th, yeah, right. uh, 1989. I was invited by also uh, a primary school mate that um, we lost contact for many years. Um, you know, we all went into high school. He went to a high school in a different city in the southeastern part of Nigeria. And, uh, and but we stayed connected. You know, those days we used to write letters you know, and posted to each other, we became more like head pals and all that. And uh, we stayed in touch. His name is Sonny Orinuta. Mm. Sonny uh, was my very good friend. We were benchmates. We sat on the same bench in school, you know, and uh, we 
we shared meals together. We, we had, we played, you know, soccer together and all that. But we lost, after we went to high school, we lost contact. And then um, after a while, he started reaching out to me um, when I, um, uh, when we, we were almost finishing high school and about to get into college. And um, so he started writing to me and, um, and then later on, he uh, came visiting, he found where I was living and came visiting, but somehow we were missing each other. You know, those days we don't have cell phones. Uh, you just have to show up in your friend's house and if you are lucky to find them, fine. If you don't find them, you have to make a repeat visit. Right. So Sonny coming repeatedly and leaving me notes with my mom. And um, so it went on for a long time. Sonny reached out to me for almost a year, oh coming gosh. back and all that he was getting. And all of a sudden, my mom uh, now prevailed on me. He said, you know, this Sonny is always coming. He's uh, leaving you notes. Why, why don't you go and visit him? And that was how I uh, decided to go and visit Sonny. Incidentally, uh, Sonny wasn't living very, very far from me at that time. So, and lo and behold, what he was inviting me to was to a Bible talk. And um, I wasn't, um, uh, right at that time, I'd stopped going to church, anything that has to do with church for about two years. You know, I um, lost interest in church. I grew up for a very religious home, but I had questions. Uh, my parents were GW. Uh, they were, uh, we went to church uh, regularly, but um, I was a very troubled uh, young man. I had many things in my heart that I was feeling. I, I grew up just, uh, you know, asking a lot of questions and they weren't able to answer those questions. So I decided to just turn my back against church mm. and all that. And so uh, that was right about the same time Sonny had invited me. So I went to study the Bible and I walked into this group of excited young men and women in the Bible talk. They were all, I was like looking at them funny. I mean, what, what can make young people so excited about the Bible? I mean, right. <laughs> why are you inviting people to a Bible and it's so, so much fun and excitement? So I went to see, and incidentally, I saw the first time. The second time I was going to go, I went with seven of my friends. <laughs> I brought seven of my friends who used to hang around and say, let's go, you know, because there were a lot of uh, young women and men. And so we, we felt it was more like, a religious party, you know? so let's go and but the, our interest wasn't in studying the Bible, we just wanted to just hang out with this group of uh, very excited young men and women they had uh, music they had refreshment, nice refreshments, you know, we loved the refreshment, we wanted to, to really uh, have fun, so that was how they invited me to study the Bible at first I was like, yeah, you know, let's study the Bible, I had questions, let me let me tell give, you know tell them some few things that I know, right, you know from right. my religious days. Let me let me show them, you know. <laughs> but uh, it was a very convicting time. I want to use the opportunity to thank Charles Eliku, uh, who is now an evangelist with, and uh, women's ministry there with his wife. They are lead, they are now leading the church. You know, some of in a region in the London church. Uh, Charles studied the Bible with me, and uh, he became more like a spiritual father to me. Mm. Um, I lost my dad at 14, mm -hmm. and uh, so uh, at, at the time the church met me, I was 24, so I had a very troubled uh, young, you know, suddenly young man and uh, with no, no direction and all that, so 
so the church really helped me. I was I really had a lot of sin in my life that I struggled with, and um, so. But they studied with me. They beard the ball with me. As I was studying the Bible, I invited my brother, my elder brother, who is also a disciple now, and um, and uh, with his wife and uh, three of his children are disciples. Yeah. So. We we, yeah. we 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 were really really excited about the church. Mm-hmm. And 24th of October 1989, uh, I turned my life over to God, mm-hmm. and um, ever since then it's been a wonderful journey yeah. in the last uh, over 30 years. Yeah. So wow. So that's how I became excited. Yeah, I would also add too that also while I was studying the Bible as well, I also invited my sister, and uh, she came along. I just told her I just went home one day. In the middle of my studies, I probably almost through my studies, and I thought, you know what? I just got it. I have, I have four siblings. There's five of us, but I, my, I was pretty close to my younger sister, the one who comes right behind me. And I got home with that, and I said, you know what? I'm inviting you to to church. I'm inviting you to a Bible talk, and I, I don't ask me any questions because she was pretty religious, and I knew that if she asked me questions, I probably might not be able to answer. So I just said, you know what? Don't ask me any questions. Just come. And she was stunned. But she did accept the invitation. She began studying the Bible and um, she got baptized just about two or three weeks right after me as well. Mm-hmm. She's also still a disciple. She's also on staff here in the Lagos Church and uh, she's married to an evangelist here. And uh, their son is a disciple as well. And it's just amazing that uh, we were able to just get that connection. I also have another sibling who eventually became a disciple years later. But I'll talk more about that later. Wow. Well, how did you guys get, get married and get together? Yeah, we uh, we were singles, um, you know, and um, you know the church then was, um, you know, you know a little about a hundred uh, when we joined the, the Lagos Church, uh, full of a lot of life and excitement. Uh, we went um, as disciples. We went on dates every Saturday of four hours. Uh, so you have to, you know, get a date, get out there from you know, 4 p.m. to about 8 p.m. And, and so we, um, but um, I think uh, for Rolaya and I, uh, we were friends. I mean, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, got talking. I think what happened was, um, I think, you know, in those days we used to have the brothers ask, then all of a sudden it became what they call the reverse date. You know, this time that sisters could now ask. So I was, her first reverse date, you know. Yeah. So she she took me out and yeah. gave me a big treat, and um, that's the first time I'm having a woman spend a lot of money on me and take me out. <laughs> it was weird. It was like wow, you know. And she really gave me so a good time, and that uh, opened up our friendship. Yeah. And uh, we started, um, yeah. you know, you know, going out and. Um, you know, she uh, on date more regularly, and um, of course, one thing led to the other, and uh, we started to see that we were in love with each other. And, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Why are you laughing, Rolayo? Because my my version is a little bit different. <laughs> because um, yeah, we met you know as young single people in the in the church then, and uh, we developed a friendship. Really, we're both on staff as you know young interns type of thing, and. I know where we used to you know, get together in a staff meeting fellowship at all. And we used to walk a long distance to take a bus back to where we lived and where we worked and all that after every staff meeting. And so um, 
uh, I think along that time, we just began talking. And I think that the fondness kind of started around that time. And then, like he said, we began the, the, the reverse dating. He was my first reverse date. I didn't, I wasn't in love with him then, but I did ask him on a date and we had a really good time. And I think we went on more dates after that. And I think um, it took a while before I realized he was the one. I think after a while we'd go on dates and then I realized how, I don't I remember there was this date that um, he didn't show up. I remember that he asked me on a date, but something happened and he didn't show up. And I felt so disappointed. I think it was the, that day I felt so disappointed. I felt, you know, most times if a date doesn't happen, I just feel, hey, no problem. Not some other time, but this time I felt so disappointed. I thought, this is odd. I've got to be in love with this guy. And then <laughs> we started dating. And then, uh, yeah, we started dating June 1991. And we got married January 1993. Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't love at first sight, but it just grew into a very, very deep fondness and friendship over the years. It's funny how that works when you start working together, spending that incidental time together. You just yeah. things kind of happen over time. I remember exactly, exactly. Yeah, with my wife Pam, we were uh, asked to lead a campus ministry together, and once that happened, it just it just happened naturally. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> Can you, you know, one of the one of the interesting things about the um, the church there in Lagos? I mean, it's just got such a storied history and so many. Um, inspirational stories, but also many challenges. I, I'm so interested. What was it like in those first four or five years as that church took off? I mean, it was explosive. We'd hear stories that just blew our minds. So many people becoming Christians, but also a lot of challenges. What, what was it like to be a part of that church in the early days? Yeah. Wow. Um, it was very, it was uh, mind-blowing. It was uh, such an exciting uh, experience in 1989, mm -hmm. um, where you have a bunch of young men and women with a lot of passion, um, with a lot of zeal, with a lot of courage uh, and faith. You know, the story of the missionaries uh, who came down from London, uh, Nigerians, you know, uh, we Nigerians, I mean, everybody wants to get an opportunity to leave the country and maybe go to Europe, go to America, you know, and go and pursue uh, whatever, you know, and to see young men and women who have career, who are career, who had careers, who left the country, coming back to Lagos um, to come and plant the churches. And they were all, so most of them, if not all of them, were professionals. That blew me away. Mm. You know, that was an amazing thing in the church. And the way they lived, you know, you know, I was a very uh, religious person, like I said, but, and again, I was very skeptical about, you know, ministers and, you know, anything that has to do with God and all that. But coming close to these people, it was like, wow, you know, the, the attitude, you know, they were all together, they were devoted. To me, it just was just, was so real, you know, you, you just saw the scripture come real because every day, you know, when the Bible says every day they met in the temple court, you know, they broke bread together, they shared everything in common, you know, those times, you know, the only time we have the brother's flat, you know, most of them were singles. So we have the brother's flat, the sister, the sister's flat. And each time you walked into the brother's flat, it was more like the big house and all that. You have young men and 
people coming in, studying the Bible, going out and coming back. We're going out sharing our faith. We, we had meals together, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. We, we prayed together. We did a whole lot together. The bonding was exceptional, mm -hmm. you know. Some of us didn't even miss going home, you know. Even those who had jobs, <laughs> when they finished from their jobs, they're losing their tie, you know, through their coat, and they're in the brother's flat. Where, and sometimes people have to basically come and drag <laughs> you out of the fellowship. It was, it was amazing. And uh, we're growing. Uh, we're, just, we're just lighting up the whole city as uh, so full of energy, so full of life. And so that was where I caught my inspiration, yeah. really, about doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. I think it's just some, I think God blessed us with faithful leaders. There was a high expectation. Everybody was just leaving out the mission, really. When I got baptized, it was like, honestly, nothing else mattered to me. When I first studied the Bible and I saw discipleship, and I, I realized that, that was, that's what had been missing. I'd been, my own, done my own thing, trying to be religious as well. And then testing, trying different churches here and there. But the day I looked at discipleship, I realized, wow, this was what was missing in my life. And I, I just grabbed onto it. And I think the, the, the church was so, they were so, our leaders were so full of faith and expectation. Mm -hmm. We're always just, just imitating their, their zeal, their faithfulness, their courage in sharing their faith. And their expectation that we also just imitate that faith. It was also following the leadership of, you know, Nietzsche and Daisy Aguaya, like you mentioned earlier, and the uh, Tok Sambola Sholu, you know, Charles, Charles, and, Philip, Pat. Charles and Pat, Henry and Marilyn Cretz. I lived with the Cretz for a while, and just their example and their faithfulness was an upward cause to us as young people, and it was just amazing. Yeah. So living out that dream, living it out was, for me, was everything. Mm. I, I knew that I was, a, I was a young lawyer when I got converted, and I was working, at first I began working for the church, part-time. So I'd work in my, my office, in my law chambers in the morning, in the daytime. Then in the evenings, I would just go into the ministry. And so I did that for like a year, attending the staff meetings, but working my job and just running my ministry. And I got to tell you, after a year, it became so clear to me that I loved the ministry. And I eventually gave up my law practice and came in full-time. But I was so inspired by what I saw, so inspired by being able to see lives changing. And that was because of the faith leadership that we had. Yeah, for me, it was like even, um, you know, wanting to get into law school, you know, to do my law studies. I was uh, really inspiring to want to be uh, a civil rights activist. I wanted to be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a civil lawyer, you know, to be able to defend people and, and all that. And then just embracing the message of God and seeing just how this was another calling. God is opening my eyes to see that you need to also defend my laws as it were, you know? <laughs> so I caught the vision and um, I was working then, but boy, I couldn't wait to be, to get out of work. Yeah. You know, I couldn't wait to get out of work. Even then I was like a sales, a computer sales representative. You know, I, I would go to the streets, we would get to the streets as brothers, we would preach uh, in the bus, like uh, we'd preach in the bus, going to work, I would get to work and I've lost my voice. And my boss would be like, how do we how do we go to work like this? You're talking like somebody who, you know, I've lost my voice preaching on the street and the boss, you know, would deliberately get into a bus that is full of people that is slow so that 
you, you don't get to your bus stop early enough so that you reach out to people. Sometimes we reach out to 500 people a, a day. We were just sharing our faith like crazy. Um, it was it was amazing. It was like the time of our life. You know, the, the years went so quickly. You know, it's like, man, we, we were doing, you know, we just enjoyed it. It, it was crazy. It was just an amazing, amazing time. Each time we think about it, it just... It just so, uh, it was great. <laughs> That's great. Now, Rolayo, you, you had a, your own law practice. Chris, you were a student. Did that present a challenge that Rolayo was already established in her career? And, and yes. you know, Rolayo, you seem super confident, super strong. Chris, was that a challenge for you in, in dating? And... Uh, yeah. You know, well, in a way, it was very inspirational for me. Because I was a little bit, uh, you know, coming from a very poor background, I was a slow starter with uh, trying to get into school, trying to, you know, from a poor parent, trying to, you know, see you through school. You have the ambition to go to college, but, uh, you know, your parents are not well to do. You have to fend for yourself. So I was a bit, you know, I struggled financially, you know, what you want. So again, those things could have presented some level of insecurity, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that um, I wasn't uh, professional yet because it was immediately I came into becoming a disciple studying that I now got ad, uh, my admission to study at the law school. And that was the same time I made a decision. Yeah. And, then, and what helped me was that I wasn't very insecure about that anyway, because I, um, I was very confident because even um, um, at that time, I had to go and lead the church outside of Lagos for about nine months. Yeah. So I was already my, sinking my teeth into this thing, yeah. uh, the full-time ministry, when that opportunity came for me to study law. So my thinking, yeah. I was in a relationship with Rolayo at that yes. time, and she was a lawyer. I was so inspired, you know, by her faith, you know, by her courage. You know, I, I want to be a lawyer, and this is already a self-made lawyer, and <laughs> she's out in the street. I have my disciple who was an actual scientist who left the whole thing in London. I know people who are medical students who left. So mine was, what am I chasing this love thing for? So yeah. I really made up my mind that, yeah. you know, you know, I can preach the word of God. I can teach people. I can get into the life of people and make changes. Yeah. I've already seen that. I've tasted it. Why yeah. go back and spend yeah. about five years again trying to get a law degree yeah. that I will eventually give up anyway. So. Yeah. So that was my conviction, yeah. and uh, Rolaya, she I wanted think, me to. Yeah. I think <laughs> for, for me, I was just, honestly, I think our friendship was stronger than that. the difference in that. For me, I, I really fell in love with him. I, I just saw, I admired his maturity. I admired his confidence. I admired his, his wisdom. And so there was such a bond between us that, and honestly, for his, even when he got the admission to go to school, I thought I was happy for him. And, I, and I, even though we were dating, my, my, my attitude was, you know what, I'm behind you, whatever you decide to do. You want to go in, into school, I support you. You want to just do something else, whatever you decide to do, as long as it's what you want to do, I support you. So between us, it wasn't really a problem. Mm-hmm. I think we had a very strong friendship that weathered that. But I think it was definitely a problem for my family. My family felt, you know what, you can't, you know I mean? <laughs> they did not like me dating him. And they did not like it when I said we wanted to get married. <laughs> yeah, he was like, this yeah, people are crazy. Why do you want to marry I this, know, you know, so this evil man? 
so, so many things, tribal yeah, things, yeah. Uh, you know, educational background, yeah. and, and the whole, you know, the whole the church whole, thing. The whole too. church thing. They too. did not like the church. You know, so. you guys are just uh, out on the street making a mess of yourselves. Yes, and uh, you, know, you know, it took a while for people to while. really see that yeah. uh, this was um, God's plan for us. This mm -hmm. is what we want to mm -hmm. uh, make a life of, and yes. uh, this is uh, the path yeah. we want to follow yeah. to be able to help bring our country and our nation to God. Yeah. Wow. So we had to pay the price, yeah. you know, and not too much uh, support from family at that time. At that time. Uh, because, of course, everybody's looking yeah. for you to be one thing or the other, but uh, mm. not really a preacher, not really yeah. a minister, because yeah. uh, it is it's a poor business, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I must say that over the years that definitely changed. I think when they saw our marriage, and that that definitely convicted my mom, seeing the kind of friendship that we had in the marriage and the way that we were able to build a family, that definitely melted my parents' heart. And so, you know, with, 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 with all that changed as they saw the quality of our lives and what we built. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are you thinking? Wow, yeah. Help me out here. Are you guys from the same tribal background or different? Yeah, we were different, different tribes. We're different uh, tribes. Uh, different so. tribes. So he's from the eastern part of Nigeria, and my my mom is from the west. My my dad is from the midwest. So we're it's all spread across. And so, so my my dad was very suspicious of him. His mom was also suspicious of me. So, but it's but we look back at that. It's all funny now, but then it was pretty intense. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So different uh, tri different tribal languages. Everything's different. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. You know, so Nigeria has about 500 over, languages. Yes, and uh, different tribes. Oh my and, gosh. You know, it's like every mile is a tribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, That's amazing. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Well, can you share with me some of the challenges in over the past 30 years in terms of building the church and sending out the churches? Um, being in, in Lagos, I, I've just heard stories that have just raised my eyebrows and thought, wow, that must be a really tough field. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've had uh, challenges at, at different levels. Mm -hmm. um, we had challenges at the earlier stages uh, with uh, leadership, you know, with uh, different changes, planting churches, um, you know, uh, going from, you know, one church to 10 to 20 to 30, those are 35 churches that were planted from the Lagos church. Yeah. Uh, there weren't any challenges. We had to, uh, you know, some of them were French, um, French, uh, French countries. So we had to take French classes, uh, <laughs> you know, to be able to go plant those churches and, and, uh, you know, there was the evangelization proclamation. It was exciting, but it was, it was tasking. It was, it was yeah. very challenging, you know, yeah. getting out there and living on the edge, you know, for mm. over a decade, you know, so that, that was that. That was uh, the leadership issues and character things that we have to walk through as a church, you know, um, personal challenges, you know, that I, you know, had to do with my own person, with my own character, some defining moments, some challenging moments for me in the full-time ministry. Um, you know, I had to get in and out of staff 
twice before I got married. And then when I got married, we got out of staff again um, in 1999. And those were very, very tough moments for, for us. You know, we just um, had them, um, you know, a very uh, difficult time uh, for me personally dealing with my character, you know, the pressures uh, from inside that I just, you know, couldn't, you know, really approach from a godly, you know, with godliness. So there was a, 1999 was a defining moment of God exposing a lot of stuff in my own life, you know, just not being straight, you know, being afraid, insecurity, harshness and leadership, um, and uh, just, not, just not being honest, you know, sometimes with doing the ministry because of whatever it was, but my heart was really, uh, very bad, you know, just being very competitive, just wanting to do everything to get by. So it was it was a defining moment having to leave and really re-evaluate re, re my, my sincerity and my honesty to want to do the ministry yeah. for God. So that was a very tough moment in our lives. And then it was, uh, it was a very dark time, but thank God he was able to, to get us back uh, we want to use a to thank Richard and Sarah Lawai, because at that time, the Lagos Church has to change leadership. Uh, a whole lot, uh, about a handful of us had to be asked out of staff. But my wife and I were restored back, and we had, you know, we were asked to come back because there was uh, a lot of, we had to repent and um, just love God for who we are and just uh, go about doing what we are doing and we were called back. And shortly after that, we had to go and lead the church in Accra, Ghana. So when 2003 broke, it was already we had had our own defining <laughs> times. So we were able to, even though it was still hard, that was another hard, challenging yeah. time for us having to come back to Nigeria in 20, 2003. And then, so that was another hard time, losing a lot of our foreign, um, not foreign, but our frontline leaders. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of them had to leave the continent, the, the, the Tollivers, the Alawiyas, the Oguayas, the, mm -hmm. the Florence, and then these are great heroes, you know, uh, the Zieglers, the, um, you know, Mark and Dan Ottenwellers, you know, are great heroes, you know, they mm -hmm. all left and that was a very, very, very tough time mm -hmm. for us, challenging time having to meet you know, lose these heroes and these guys that we looked up to. Yeah. And so it was like thrown again into the dark. We didn't know how, what to do. Uh, nothing, not, I guess, nothing prepared us <laughs> for it. But again, maybe for me, 1999 didn't, did define some of the moments for my wife and I. Yeah. Mm. So we were able to, at least personally, we were able to hold together. And some of the staff who are today, I want to use opportunity to leave them up, great heroes, of faith who stayed behind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can say 90% of them are still here mm -hmm. after 30 something years mm -hmm. uh, with us in Lagos. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for Rolai and I, we're very grateful that, uh, that we can stand on their shoulders and uh, we can walk together hand in hand this many years after 2003 to what we have right now. So tough financially, tough morally, mm -hmm. tough leadership wise, but um, we survived. Wow. Yes, I think, uh, I think uh, he just, you know, I, I think that for us, God just really 
has helped us over the years to mold our character. You know, I think uh, like you, we described earlier with all the enthusiasm of the early years, we were definitely at some point caught up with that. But then again, at some point we weren't really watching our hearts as we ought to. So sometimes you, know, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And so just being getting excited about baptizing people, but our Moses were not always in the right place. And sometimes we're just doing it because of it was expected of us and all that. And I think God really made us reevaluate our hearts when we had to, when we kicked out of staff in 1999. And that was painful, but you know, we can look back on it now and see how God used that to really make us be still before him and really, you know, come clean, so to say, and reevaluate why we do what we do and make, make sure that our motivations are in the right place and that we always keep him in front of all that we do. And so that definitely was a huge defining moment for us in 1999. And incidentally, it was special because that's the time when my brother got baptized, you know, that's a different story. But for me, it was so, that was the year my brother and my sister-in-law wow. got baptized. So it was a dark time, but it was also a transforming and beautiful time as well. That's great. Well, let me so ask- I think God, God just transforming us over the years through these challenges. I just look back with gratitude for all those who stood by us to encourage us through those moments. Mm. Mm. Let me yeah, let me I'm let me done. ask let me ask you a little bit about that. That that was a time. How how large was the church there in Lagos at that time? In '99, yeah, yeah, I think we're about mm. some. Mm. We were about eighteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, I remember at the yeah. time hearing crazy stories yeah. about just such rapid growth. And around the world at the time, there was um, a lot of good news being shared from different places that were rapidly growing. And Nigeria was always there at the top. And I'm sure that there was a lot of pressure. I was in the ministry in, in Japan, and we would hear stories about what you were doing there. And I think everyone felt a desire to keep the growth, keep the growth going, to keep keep things, yeah. you know, cranking, keep the ministry cranking and save souls. And I, yeah. I think um, everyone was young. Most of the people in the ministry were in their 20s or 30s. Exactly. And there certainly was a sense of comparison between countries and how, how are you doing? And, and, and so the temptation was there to, uh, yeah. you know, keep things, keep things on the bright side, keep the good news flowing yeah. and to diminish yeah. the the negative news, <laughs> you know, to keep that on the down low so the people didn't hear the dark side or what was not going that great. Yeah. You, you understand, Rob. <laughs> exactly. So, so how, like we're just trying to, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said we, we were just, you know, he's just trying to keep up, keep up appearance, keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. But there was um, really a lot going on. Uh, there was a lot of insecurities, there was a lot of fear, and there was a lot of dishonesty with our statistics, and um, it, was, it was just some shameful things that yeah. um, God just saved us from and just um, got, got us rescued. Right. <laughs> God rescued us. So, well, I, so I that's, think, that's where... I think everyone goes through those times in the ministry or in their lives as Christians when God really purifies motives, what, whatever it might be, in whatever role you're in. How did you guys get through that? How did you grow past it and to get into a better spot where your, your motives are different, you, you've been purified by God? Any advice, you know, looking back, how did you 
get through those dark times because someone might be going through something like it right now? Well, I think, I think I'll never forget the sister God put in my life that was Sarah Alawaye. And she, I'll never forget the advice she gave me. She said when I was struggling with so many bad attitudes and bitterness and all kinds of negative feelings, she says to me, you know what, Rolayo, focus on the cross. And that advice, I remember it, I'll remember it for as long as I live. And I think that really made me understand that, you know, whatever I'm going through, Christ went through so much more for me. And I think also just really focusing on how God humbles us for our own good. I think really the passages that talk about that for me were very just encouraging for me. And I think we just, you know, we struggled, you know, differently. I think God worked it out that when I was really down, Chris was in a better spot. When I was, when he was really down, I was in a better spot. So we kept on just kind of lifting each other up. But I think God put in our lives godly men to say, you know what, keep your eyes on God mm. and be, you know, just believe in what he can do through you. And that's really pulled us through. I think again, to just being able to, you know, holding on to God to reach out to my brother. My brother just came and just expressed how he just admired the way we were solid through this. And it wasn't too long during that. It was during that time he started studying the Bible. So I think seeing his own faith grow was also inspiring for us as well. And uh, it wasn't too long after that. We'll call back on stuff exactly five months after we were fired. But I think for us, if I put it in, in just a sentence, it was just keeping our eyes on God through it and believing that he had a plan for us that was better. Yeah, I think uh, there was for me the temptation of self-pity. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a temptation of um, I let God down and I was uh, beating myself so hard, you know, uh, sometimes to a stupor, you know, and uh, I had to be reminded that it is not self-pity. You just got to repent. Mm. And then I remember studying this book. I keep recommending it to a lot of my friends, the tale, a tale of three kings, right? you know, and um, and I went through that journey and I just had to, um, I think it's Gene Edwards. Gene Edwards. Gene Edwards. Yep. Yeah, Gene Edwards. Yeah, it really helped me to really study out the heart of the kings and um, to, to just humble myself, you know, to learn that, you know, it's not over. Yeah. I remember when it happened, uh, yeah. I remember the words that Mike yeah. Tolliver looked at me. I said, uh, I said, Mike, will I ever be given the opportunity to do this again? Yeah. And he told me, it's never say never with God. That's God right. is a God of chances yeah. that's right and that was very encouraging to me and i said yeah. if it was that's a god of second chance if i ever get an opportunity to do this again i would do it for the glory of god yeah and uh, i did what i did that many years for myself my pride for my ego for everything and god just flooded me it was like you know <laughs> it was what you know and, and all that but for me it's just that knowing yourself knowing that you are nothing uh, we're just instruments in the hands of god uh, learn the story of Saul. He was nothing, but God lifted him up. If we do not allow ourselves uh, to be broken, God, then we will be crushed. Right. And right. Um, so I, I just wanted to bring myself to brokenness, mm -hmm. and then and uh, and that helped me. It was hard. It was tough because yeah. some moments were great, other moments were down moments. Yeah. But I, I stayed. Uh, thank God for faithful brothers who prayed with me, yeah. uh, people who encouraged me. 
and uh, my wife was very strong uh, in her character. And we are like, well, let's just let's just dig it dig it out and uh, keep 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 looking up to God. Right. Uh, but I must say, it is a defining time. It's yeah. a time of learning that you want to do the full time ministry. You want to live a life a godly life. You just need to come clean. You just need to give your life to God, and um, and let Him just use you. Uh, to his glory. So, so for me, yeah. that was what helped me. You know, those times of learning to just do this without fear and favor. You know, whether you get recognition, whether you don't, it's not about the statistics. It's not about the numbers. Um, it's about when you go to bed and you are able to say you serve God with a clear conscience. That's right. That's and right. You cannot, you cannot, you know, you you cannot treat that for anything in the world. That's right. So What's I'm in, grateful to be given that chance. What's inspiring is that that was fought, you were far from over, and now you've spent over thirty years in the ministry, which is yes. really amazing because, in my experience. Ministry has a very high attrition rate. People drop out quite often. And so the fact that you've been so productive over the course of 30 years is flat out inspiring. So you came back, wow. came back strong. You, you led a church in a different country in Accra, Ghana. Yeah. And then you went on to plant 28 or 29 churches. Can you tell me how that happened? I mean, you, you not only came back from, from getting fired, but you, you led the church, you became leaders of, of Lagos, and then went on to plant all these churches. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Some of the, uh, before, by the time we came back, um, we took over leading the church in, 20, in 2004. Yeah. We started leading the church in 2004. That's about uh, 17 years ago yeah. the church we had like 17 15 16 churches yeah, right? 16. we had 16 churches already planted yeah so um so in the space of that time we just um, added about you know 13 churches yeah we've been able to plant 13 churches from 2004 mm -hmm. to date and then i think we'll have two more before the end of the year yeah um it's um what can i say i think I think God just preserved the work in Africa and West Africa. God just preserved it. It's not about us. We're just um, part of people, those who came out from the rubbles. Uh, we, got, <laughs> we were just nothing, you know, God just refined us and brought us. And I'm thankful that we're not the only ones that came out of it. Yeah. We had a bunch of great warriors yes. who could easily be behind this camera talking to you who could have their stories could even could have been even more inspiring than our stories they are leaders who walk with us hand in hand side by side and they are still doing so yes. i think in west africa we were blessed that we didn't have a a, a turnover mm -hmm. of um of staff you know most of our leaders from from you know years back are still with us so, so we, we all struggled together we all went through the discipline together we all have gone through transformation together but uh, we stay put even when we lost finance financial support uh even when we stayed 
on the same salary for years. <laughs> you know, um, we all shared together, we hung in there and uh, until support started coming back again. Um, so, and then the churches started doing well financially. And, uh, and then we started nursing again the dream to go out and plant churches. First, we were in a preservation mode and then in maintenance. And then we now recalibrated and said, man, we've got to get out and uh, start working and start building the church together. And uh, so Rely and I, we've been blessed. Yes. We've been blessed with uh, some awesome lay leaderships mm -hmm. from which has come up. We have elders in the church now. We've raised up te teachers in the church. And um, we've raised up, you know, maybe 50 to 60% of our churches are self-supporting. We, we really, I think really, uh, you know, like they say, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, when, when your back is to the wall, you just got to do something. And I think we are thankful for those defining moments because it brought the best out of everybody. And it also exposed the worst of us as well. So. Right. Right. So we battled it together. We're still work in progress. We're still dealing with our issues, even up to today. <laughs> but we're still brothers. We're still fighting on. We're still marching on. We're carrying our bodies the scars. But we are, we are, we are, we are happy to be and grateful to be here and uh, to be given the opportunity every day to serve the church. So we planted those churches. And today, we have people there who are heroes who are out there uh, in some of these churches doing incredible things for God. And many young people, you know, who we have been blessed with, who are coming through the cranks, through the through the ranks right now to to serve God. So we are truly, truly blessed to see um, how what God has done with us and for us in the, in the last seventeen years. Okay, let me go ahead and let's let's drill down a little bit and talk about that. Because in 2003, the churches experienced a time of, of discipline from God. The superstructure broke down. Financing broke down. There was a dot-com bubble that burst at that time. There had been a decade or so or a couple decades of really generous giving from uh, primarily the U.S. but other, other places as well. But at that time, the money just stopped. So there you were. Your leadership is gone. Many people have gone back. Many of the foreign missionaries who've started the church have gone back. The money's dried up. You're in charge. How, okay, how, how did you come up with a plan? And, and not only that, but how did you learn how to lead a large church when never, you'd never done it before? And then you basically have to grow into it. Can you just talk a little bit about Looking back, of course, I'm sure at, at that time it wasn't very clear, but looking back, how did you manage that? How did you rise to the challenge to go, okay, we're going to still grow with no money, a lot of the leaders gone, and, and, and the church in disarray? Uh, well, I think um, for, for us, um, like we said, I mean, we were in this hole together. Um, we got to climb out, and uh, we... we we looked left, right, and center. We we knew, um, yeah, we just have to do something. And what convictions we have is that, yes, the church has been built on foreign primary, you know, majorly with uh, foreign support and um, people have made sacrifices. Uh, we, we knew uh, we had to remind ourselves how the Lagos church was planted. Um, 
teenagers went out on the streets to shine shoes and broke the Guinness Book of World Records. To 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 people jumped out of plane. Doug Arthur, you know, Mohan uh, Nanjudan, yeah. um, you know, I think um, a lot of all the brothers, Stokes, Showalu, yeah. uh, Jim Blau, I think, and yeah. so many of them, you know, to raise funds. I mean, these men risked their lives. Yeah. You know, we cannot continue to be recipients of such rich generosity and, uh, and not do something. You know, Nigeria is a very rich country. Um, we have churches that go and plant churches in the U.S. Right. You know, right. and and um, and so we have a lot of people who give money for religious purposes. People have built mega churches, and we're sitting in this city, you know. And so we can sit back here and look at our belly button and cry over our brothers in the U.S. are struggling. They have done sisters in the UK, they've made their sacrifice and brought us this far. So we just, we just got to grow up and, and, um, and do something, you know? Mm -hmm. So we started speaking to the congregation. We started putting the financial, um, financial realities yeah. before the church. Yeah. Uh, we say, hey, this is, this is what it's going to be. Um, this is what it's going to take. And that's why uh, we just have to put it before the church. I mean, people were really moved mm. because before we, we seldom called the church to financial presentation or anything, you know. Uh, if we're short of money, <laughs> we got on the phone and we called New York City and New York City would give us money. But we got to say, man, we've got to mature our church. And one of the indices of maturity is financial giving. Mm not just financial reception of money, but we've got to be able to not just manage the money sent to us, but to get money from our congregations. And, and so we began to talk about it. And slowly our giving started to get up there. We started to close the gap because there was a huge gap and we started to close the gap. And so I, um, I thank God that we had to go through that. Even though it was rough, it was tough. I know we had tears in our eyes. It was like, you know, we, our lolly has been taken away from us and they were just sucking our tongues here. So, <laughs> but we just, <laughs> so we just got to, we just got to get going. I uh, had convictions for my brothers and sisters on staff that we can get Lagos to be a self-supporting church. Right. We can get Lagos to be strong because um, everybody's looking up to us. We planted all these churches. Yeah. They are hurting and we got to, put it before the church. Listen, we sent out mission teams to these churches. They are hurting. We've got to take monies. We've got to keep the leaders there. We've got to keep supporting them. And that was what happened. Mm. We started taking care of all these churches and the contribution kept going. The temptation sometimes was <laughs> to keep the monies in Lagos, but we just got to keep supporting those. And the more we gave uh, out to these churches, the more the church felt the need of giving more and giving more. Our special contribution, missions contribution, we just kept growing and growing. And right. before we knew it from one church in Lagos, we had three other self-support churches. churches. It became three, it became four. Mm -hmm. And then across West Africa, we have other churches that rose up to it uh, in Ghana, in Liberia, in Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, those were big, big churches in Monrovia, in Freetown, and um, in Accra. And um, so we just have to task ourselves that we just got to 
some of the big churches we're going to get our hands off the port of support <laughs> and uh, and instead let's put something into what our brothers and sisters are sending us overseas wow. and we and primarily we used money we spent a lot of money trying to bring all the church leaders together yeah. we did that every year no matter how broke we are we've got to pay for the leaders to come together for a time of prayer mm. for a time of inspiration we have to fly them in we have to bring them in even if we are broke because we felt like that unity of the spirit, we've got to keep it going. Wow. And that really helped a lot. And, um, and, uh, and before we know it, the fire started to grow and, um, and the rest is history. And we, yeah. But we are very, very thankful for those defining moments. Yeah. Because if we kept some of this support going, maybe we don't know where some of our churches will be as far as financial responsibility mm-hmm. and accountability is concerned. Yeah, so, um, so that was some of the... Yeah. Okay. Let me add also, I think everything that Krista said, I think it's just looking back, it's like, wow, all this stuff and it's so true. The other thing that God really blessed us with is the, the family that we have in West Africa. I mean, the, um, the family of churches that we have in West Africa. We maintain that bond and it's still strong to this day as, I speak, as we speak to you. And I think that was really helpful as a, as a family of churches, even through all the, that went happened in 2003, we maintain that level of connection and the interdependence and working together. Leaders going from one country to another, being able to have that flow, that relationship among us, among the West African churches, all this time helped us to have a team. And so when it was time to plant churches, we always had that sense of we are a team and we're going to do this together. And so I think that also kept us focusing on the mission, focusing on, okay, here is West Africa. God has given us the choice to plant churches here, and we need to work at this together. Mm-hmm. So I think having that family in West Africa that we, we, we just have seen as the consistent factor, like he said, every year having conferences, you know, in different parts of West Africa, sometimes in Nigeria, sometimes in other countries, but we always try to make sure that we spend money bringing our leaders together to identify with the family of churches in West Africa, mm-hmm. and that our mission is that we work at it together. That also helped us to keep our focus on the mission and uh, see the advance. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So a couple, I mean, every time you talk, I think of about five more questions that I want to ask you. But <laughs> let, so let me just ask you this question, Rolayo. Both your kids are disciples. You seem, yes. you seem very happy in your marriage. You guys seem just really, you know, there's a great chemistry. How, how did you do that, leading a church of, of thousands plus 30 or so outlying churches, you're getting all the tough calls, all the, the strange situations <laughs> that are happening, all the, you know, what do I do in this situation? How did you keep your fam, your marriage and your kids together oh. doing that? Oh. Any secrets? Oh. oh man. Well, I think honestly, that, that is a interesting question, Rob. I would say, honestly, God has really blessed us. The first thing I would say really is, that Chris and I have a really good friendship. And so for us, our relationship is fun. It's what we, we both, we both just connect so deeply. And I think that's just a huge blessing. So, and I think that honestly, I think everything else you've asked me about is stands on that, mm-hmm. you know, with the kids and all, it's just that they see that they have the warm sense of family. And I think I cherish that very much. They know that we are good friends with each other. They know we, 
we love each other's company a lot and they, they see that that bond between us and i think that inspired them like in their own journey you know to want to become disciples that they you know i think our daughter became a disciple around 16 and our son around the same age as well so i think it's a uh, that i think yeah, with the i think we have a really great team i must tell you mm. we have a, we have lots of amazing men and women around us who have been in the trenches with us who have also who also bear the scars of all kinds of challenges they've gone through and have overcome and who have really hung on in there to their their desire to also be useful to god and in advancing this kingdom. so we have a great team we are not alone not by a long shot mm. we have mm. an amazing eldership you know, behind us amazing mm men and their wives who have our back, who watch out for us, who disciple us, and who are also there. So we don't feel like the pressure is only on us at all. We have strong regional leaders in various parts of the, of the, of the city and the country. And so we don't feel it's all on us, not by a long shot. So mm. I think having that team around us and having a, a great family life that we enjoy, honestly, I would say that's the reason behind everything. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Rola and I are able to uh, strike a great uh, friendship, uh, like like you said. Uh, I, I, I like my wife. <laughs> I love <laughs> You know, I like my wife's company. Um, I, um, I've traveled um, everywhere with my wife. I feel I, we've been married for 28 years. That's... Um, yeah. I I don't keep numbers. <laughs> I only just look at my wife and she tells me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I uh, um, you know she's uh, she's very gentle, funny. You know, smart. She's everything that I'm not, and so I piggyback on my uh, whatever. I mean, I just wanted everywhere I go. I mean, I'm very confident. With um, with my wife, with me, I, I I know she she will challenge me. She would uh, stay by with me. We will laugh over even hard, difficult things together. We have a lot to look back and laugh about, and she laughs at my joke. Uh, sometimes it's dry. So so <laughs> so, but um, but we we. We, we do have a great friendship. We pray together. We've been praying together, yeah. together for a long time. Every yeah. day, uh, pray with my wife, and yeah. we try to, yeah. um, you know, put ourselves before God every day, literally, mm-hmm. everywhere we are. Sometimes, I mean, even in the plane where we are flying, everywhere we go, we wake up, we pray together, and it's fun for me. It's been it's been a fun ride. Uh, I couldn't have asked for anything better. In a companionship and mm. in marriage and in, in family, my wife, my wife is a good homemaker. She's mm. she uh, she's taught me to be gentle, to be to be able to connect with the children, to be able to connect with the leaders, mm. to be able. Sometimes I don't I, because I'm so close. That's why I talk a lot. By the time I talk, my sin comes out, and she will not she will not back down. <laughs> she will follow up. You know the, the way you spoke now. I think you have an issue with this brother. And once my wife knows about it, I would never hide it. We just go, and she will follow up to make sure I talk to the person, mm. and I'm free, and I'm able to talk. And and so she's um, she's just pure-hearted. She just wants us to do the best we can for God. So I feel really blessed. And what she said about her, God has blessed us with great disciples, mm-hmm. 
Michi and Daisy, Tokes and Bola, Richard and Sarah Lawaye, they're still there hanging on for us. We're very grateful. Mike and Ambrigitte, you know, and so many other friends, the dog and Angela Wentz in, in Houston, and um, and so many are locally here, our elders, all of them, the Yamos, the, the Ariolas, and the, the Binobas, your Koduas, where we all have gone, we are from the day of Pentecost. And we are all, you know, just looking to finish this race right. side by side. And so they've helped our marriage, they've helped us in our parenting, Yes. They've helped us in our leadership, yes. you know, just helping me to keep our heads. Like somebody says, how do you lead the whole church? You know, by loving up on my wife and taking care of my children. Mm. You just got to keep it simple, you know, by being a disciple. You know, yes, the other things about leadership and all the meetings, all the solving of problems. If I can't run my home, if I can't be happy with my wife, then I have no business leaving the church. Wow. So the day I stopped playing that role, the day I stopped being a father and a husband and whatever, that's the day I stopped leading. So for me, it's very clear to me that, um, yeah, I have many, there are many things on my plate on, that I haven't been able to do very well and do whatever, but I'm not going to fail as a husband and as a father to my children. Yeah. I'm not the lead evangelist to my wife, I'm Chris. I'm not the lead evangelist to my children. <laughs> they just see me as daddy when I come home and myself and uh, we can just have a great family life. That's, that's the way to lead. Just keep it simple and, um, and God will do the rest because the church is his bride. That's right. And, um, God, and God will take care of the church. So that's the way. It's, it's tough. It's difficult. But once we keep it simple, you know, God will do the rest. Okay, so you guys are going through a big transition right now, a big change. Yeah. Can you share what's what's happening in your life right now? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we are. We have led this church for seventeen years, mm-hmm. and um, immediately we started leading the church. We were wearing three hats. Yeah, we were wearing three hats from day one. We were leading the Lagos Church. Mm-hmm. We were taking care of the other 15 Nigerian churches. Mm-hmm. And about, um, yeah, I think there were about 10 churches at that time or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. But all is all, all was 16. Yes, all was about 16 that were leading. And we were supposed to provide leadership as um, the mother church, the parent church, to all these, because most of the leaders there, they were very good friends of ours. We have worked together, all the leaders there, and they, and they respect Olaya and I, we respect them, and, and we all decided we're going to work together. So by that dint of camaraderie and family, we felt a responsibility for them. They felt a responsibility and obligation to stay and get direction and all that. And so we had to uh, formalize some of these things by, you know, um, getting ourselves together uh, and uh, having a memorandum of understanding. That was helpful. You know, when we all come, came together to say, we're going to put a, mem- a memo together, we're going to work together in this way, in that way. We're going to help move leaders around. We're going to uh, intervene in conflict matters. We're going to share our funds. We're going to share our, our ministry, our, our manpower, our resources together. 
with the other churches and people were open to that and so um so we did that and then we planted a lot of churches but i must tell you um it's been tough doing that we started leading the church at a crisis situation in 2004 finances gone leaders discouraged no morale anger you know a lot the staff was hurting hurting everyone was hurting left right and center and uh, we too came from Accra Ghana at that time discouraged ourselves wanting to leave the full-time ministry and but God threw this threw us into this deep end so we had to say, well, we just got to rough it out. So it was really rough and tough mm-hmm. for us. And so we had to ride this wave, mm-hmm. wave upon wave upon wave. But at, as, as the ministry continues to expand and grow, we started, you know, some level of maturity started to come in and all that. And of course, the, you know, the weariness and the tiredness, um, health challenges. You know, Rola is a, yeah. a, a stroke survivor. Yeah. Uh, oh she my had gosh. a stroke. That was uh, 2008. 2008. She had a stroke, and and that was very scary. You know, it was very scary. She survived that, and um, uh, we were we were actually in the, in the state when it happens in Indiana. Yeah. And um, again, if those in Indiana are hearing us, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, the me. church there in, in Indiana, please, they took yeah. care of her. Yeah. Uh, she was hospitalized for almost three months. Yeah. Uh, she was taken care of. You know, by God's divine grace, maybe another day, another time we'll share that. But but that was God's hand calling us. You know, we were everywhere we were needed. You know, conferences fly here and there. We had we come to the US like twice a year, both in summer and in the in the spring, in the, in the spring and in the fall, attending meetings, traveling from one country to that. We really run ourselves to the ground serving us. And it 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 does take its toll on you. Mm. So financial part but also the health part you know and of course the need for leading we we can't carry we couldn't have carried this body alone so there comes a time when with maturity with elders coming in with the teachers with more maturity we felt um it would not be right to continue to bear this burden we got to share this burden, we gotta, uh, but we've got to do it strategically mm-hmm. so that um, we can get our other uh, brothers and sisters who have matured to take this load off. And we are so very thankful for the yeah. response of the staff and the response yeah. of the elders. Yeah. And um, yeah. at one point when we were talking about Richie, it was like you're talking yourself out of a job. Right. But from us, it, was, it has never been a job. It's been about leadership inclusion, sharing the body. A lot of those who are looking in, they want to help. They want to work. And we've got to trust that. And we've got to let people into our leadership circle. So um, I think we had a very, we're we are all an aging staff, but God helped us. We now have a school of missions. Yeah. Thank God for the Dean Foundation yeah. from the Boston Church. In the last uh, four or five years, They've been giving us support to raise up. So we started seeing a new stream of young people coming to our staff. You know, it's great to see a 24-year-old, a 22-year-old. Uh, you know, so it was really exciting. And, and it, it really got us going. So, and the work kept expanding. So we just see the need right now to 
um, refocus and help some of our churches, especially uh, we are in a union, we're in a, in, a, in a family of churches where Nigeria uh, seems to be way ahead in terms of real resources with uh, evangelists, elders, and teachers. But the other five countries, you know, are a little bit behind, very behind, really. You know, uh, of the 29 churches, about uh, eight, 17 of them are in Nigeria, mm -hmm. and the rest are outside the other four countries. Yes. And so our target and our goal was to relinquish uh, the, the, the leadership of the Lagos Church mm -hmm. with 12 regions. The Lagos, Church, the Lagos Church has 12 regions, and uh, we have evangelists and women's ministry leaders in these 12 regions, mm -hmm. and we have elders, and we have teachers. And so that church has really matured, and it's time for them to work together so that Rely and I can spend, you know, the next three years or so helping these other churches and, uh, and so outside Nigeria. And so the proposal seemed right to the elders and the other leaders so that it can give us more free time because sometimes when we go to some of these countries outside Nigeria, we don't spend more than one week and there's so much you can want to do. Everybody is looking to, you know, you wish you could stay more, but you just want to go and get by because we just got to keep Lagos going. And, um, and sometimes you don't feel, well, if you are not there, things will not happen. But Lagos can happen without us and we can help spend more time in Ghana, spend more time in Liberia, spend more time in Sierra Leone. Our goal is to spend quantum time there teaching, working with the leaders there for an extended period of time over each, you know, each year and, uh, and to be able to teach, instruct and work with their young people and work with their staff over there. We need more staffing in these churches. Yeah. We need more uh, lay leadership training yeah. and they want to provide that. And, uh, and they are very, they are, they, they, are, they are looking forward to it so that that can give us that uh, time. And so the Lagos Church has been magnanimous to be able to still support us financially yes. and still for us to be able to serve in that capacity. I see. As, so, uh, so, yeah, so that is the structure we have right now. So, essentially, you are traveling missionaries, evangelists, and women's ministry leader to yes. serve and support churches outside of. Nigeria, Nigeria. And, yes. and to equip them and, and to help the churches that don't have the, the resource and um, that, that the church in Lagos. And so you've, us, you've passed on the, the church leadership to another couple and yes. you're, you're doing the, wa the work of the Apostle Paul and, and strengthening the churches <laughs> that have been planted. That's great. Okay. Uh, if you say so, it, it, is, it is a biblical structure that we think can help. Uh, get these other churches, you know, going. And and of course, when we do travel to these churches, we're going to bring some of the resources with us because yeah. as we go visit Ooh. the elders, sometimes we won't go alone. We go with the teachers. We have traveling with the teachers. They come with us. Some of the evangelists come with us for the long period. We have the elders coming. We do eldership training, you know, uh, shepherding training for them. We do some teaching with the teachers, teaching why Rolai and I do most of the discipline and uh, leadership training. So it is, it's a whole package that um, we are bringing with us. Right. You know? And so, so you're, you're also uh, heading up yeah. the, the, the church, the, the school of missions. So 
And, and yeah. so you've raised up a lot of talented people. I interviewed Gilbert Kimeng and he shared what he's doing and some really gifted people that you've got there. So you'll, yeah, be, yeah, you'll yeah. be working with them. Yeah, it's a huge blessing for us to have Gilbert yes. and Perita Kimeng. They've really, uh, Gilbert has been like a breath of fresh as far as us uh, working together to improve our teaching ministry mm-hmm. and um, global connection, continental connection, because Gilbert has also, there's a huge part of French West Africa. You know, they, there are only just five countries that are English speaking in West Africa. Yeah. We are all sandwiched by French. And uh, so Gilbert is always there as the interpreter, he's always there as the go-to guy. Yeah. He's, um, very pure-hearted, great sacrifice, great worker. Mm. He is a breath of fresh air to us right. in uh, West Africa. And he's in Nigeria. So we can always be able to raise support. Yeah. And we thank the European churches in, in Germany and, and all those that are supporting him. To I want to say thank you for the effort for him to truly go out there and uh, and just flourish and just and just be able to help bring those connections. So Gilbert is gonna be working working with us with the School of Missions, as we want to also be able to replicate what we're doing in Lagos, in Abidjan, in Nairobi, Kenya, already with in Southern Africa, in Johannesburg. So, um, and, um, and we have great plans. I wanna thank Douglas Arthur yes. and um, the leadership of BEAM and, um, um, you know, just just the the great heart that they have to really help us raise a bunch of young men and women to really help us in this mission effort. So, I mean, right now it's it's mind blowing to know um, where these young men and women what they want to do to keep us awake and alive. Uh, I think um, you know having them around was like being resurrected, yeah. you know, because you just got to keep going. So, my wife and I, that's where we want to terminate, so to say. Because um, after we do the strengthening, we want to also keep the school of missions because that's where we're going to bring, we're hoping it's going to be a part of how we're going to renew leadership in West Africa. Mm. Because uh, right now we have 19 of them. They are all 19 students. They are in the next two years, we should be able to send them. We sent out about 15. Uh, Last year, they are all in different places. Uh, We have 19 ready to go. We have and much more people coming in. So that support has been very strategic and we're very thankful and we're hoping that it will expand and grow and uh, we can continue to raise up um, great leaders. And uh, so we wanna share our experience and uh, be able to um, just work with them, you know, to help us continue to plant churches and to even strengthen uh, the already existing churches because we do have churches that are led by volunteer leaders, yeah. couples, and they can only grow the church so much. Yeah. Right. You know? and, um, right. So we want to put young leaders there that can take our churches from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 yeah. to 100. Because right now we don't have churches. Um, the disparity between Lagos, which is almost 2,000 disciples to the rest is just too far. Too, yeah. it's, it's just, the gap is just too, too, right. wide, too wide. So we, we, we need to bridge that by throwing a lot into helping these churches because without trained, trained, tested leaders, some of these small churches ain't gonna grow as much as we want them to. So we need to make that sacrifice by 
by let, training them and letting them go do mm-hmm. uh, do the work out there. Okay, so let me ask you some ministry advice right now. I'm in the middle of a church planting in Flagstaff, Arizona, and it uh, it's a church that's been here since 1994 and mm-hmm. has gone up to 37 and back down to four people, and then it went up to 12, and it's been led for the past 14 years by non-professionals. And now we're putting together a team to re-energize the church and to restart it. Any advice you'd give to help us to get this church to be strong and healthy? Yeah, I think from my experience, uh, the first thing that I would say is leadership. You got to have a focused, committed, full-time leadership for our churches. Um, I am all I'm all okay with professionals who are doing their regular jobs and leading the church. They are great-hearted people. They all make sacrifices that are amazing. But from what I have known, the many years I've been here, 17 years seeing these churches, the same scenario you are painting, Rob, is the same scenario. Yeah. And so we've got to learn from that. There are churches that have started well, and then we decide that we do not, you know, those churches, we cannot be full-time people because we don't have the money. So somebody who is a medical doctor, a professional or whatever, will lead the church. There's so much that person can do mm-hmm. to really lead that church. And right now we have examples of young, fired-up people full-time who have taken a church from planting from 10, 15 people to 50 people yeah. and they are growing. And we have had, where well, we've had professionals starting with 15, right? now. there are two members mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. Not a fault of their own, but our building mech, um, strategy needs to change. Mm-hmm. Like, um, sorry to say, Mike used to say, you know, uh, we need to build effectively. Yeah. We need to build with strong uh, building blocks. Yeah. You know, if we don't build with solid building blocks, with time, the weldering will come in. And we have that principle in the Bible. If we don't build on rock, yeah. our house will not stand. So right. one of the, the things that is ro- the rock foundation is leadership. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a very strong leadership base, we have people who led the church from Nigeria mm-hmm. who stayed here for years, full-time building the church. And that's the, next, that's, that's the only way we can go. We, we, we just got to have Sometimes we kind of feel like, why do we have a full-time people? There are only four or five people in the church. Well, if you build it that way, I have never seen any. I mean, only a very few, really, mm-hmm. that will last and grow to become 100 or 200 by volunteer leadership. Right. You know, you know it's not going to work. So right. that, um, that's, that's, what, that's what I would say first to focus on get a very good, young, focused person where we can support on the full time. And what they do is lead that church and uh, grow the church. And and it's a sacrifice worth, worth making, just like in, in planting, we just got to take care of the nursery. You know, we got to make, make it grow if we want our tree to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got to put a lot of stuff to make our churches that we plant strong. Mm-hmm. So... That's where we are suffering too, because we are working backwards on this. Really, yeah. right. we have planted some churches, and they are floundering and struggling. 
right now we're building a leadership base yeah. to go support. Send. <laughs> and, and now we're trying to send, and we can see the results of those churches mm. when we send leaders there, and they're, they're really growing. So, but again, hey, we grew the way we did. God blessed it. We can't complain. But right now we've got to learn and be humble and do it, you know, the way that will make those churches grow. That's great. Thank you. Again, yeah, it will take time, it will take money, it will take effort. So yeah. I appreciate appreciate your advice and spoken, you know, from an expert. So I really appreciate appreciate that. And I look forward to seeing this church take off and really experience a new revival. So let me just close by asking you a couple, a question for those listening who, who are younger and they, they look at your life, they go, wow, here's this couple. They went through tough times and yet now they, they've led a church that's flourished. They've, they've really had an amazing ministry career. Their marriage is happy. Their kids are disciples. I go, okay, you guys have really got a lot going for you and have really done an amazing job and you're still in your prime right now you're really at your peak spiritually and planning on doing more what advice would you give to those listening who want to make a difference with their lives who want to live a no regrets life let me start with Rolayo. (laughs) wow thank you rob i think my my what i would say is wow Trust, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes always on God. The Bible reminds us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I think that is the best place to always remain. Keep your eyes on on Jesus and trust the people that God has put around you because we could not have done this by ourselves. I think for us, it's just God has blessed us with people who love us, awesome disciple partners and being able to surrender our hearts to their leadership and being submissive to want to learn and grow has been so, so helpful for us. And I just want advice that just keep your eyes on God and trust that God has put you where he, you can grow and bloom. If you just love what he has put around you, love those who need you, submit to them, keep your eyes on just allow yourself to really trust and grow. Mm. And I think it's just uh, keeping, believing that, believing in, that, in what God has planned for you. Mm. Believing that God does have a plan for you and he can raise you up to attain what he has in store for you. I think that's what I would say. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that was good advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I could have said it any better. I think um, that's uh, the golden nugget. It's, it's all about God. I don't think um, we could have done what we've done. And it's still God. I mean, he's teaching yeah. us yeah. a lot whether at the beginning, at the middle, and yeah, now, and yeah. in the future. Yeah. It's still, uh, God, God is still navigating us through this. So for me, it's the same thing. Just be someone who is out there to please God. You know, whatever we do, um, we are going to answer to God. I know that um, there's so many things we, we want to achieve in life. Um, I know... When, when I came into the church, oh, I want to be an evangelist. I want to, and the, the question my disciple is, why do you want to be an evangelist? You know, I couldn't find an answer to that. When I just want to be a man, I was like, why is he asking me? Are you not fired up that I want right. to be an evangelist? It's not, um, you know, 
what you want to be is what what will God make of your life. Right. You know, what do you want to surrender to God to mold and make you rather than what you want to be? You know, I think for everything, uh, we just we just need to surrender. Like I think my favorite passage is mm. Paul saying that uh, in the in the house there is an article. There are many articles, right. you know, but when you make yourself well, you can become an article of noble purposes. Mm. You know, um, what do you want to be? What do you want God to make out of you? Mm. Uh, you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be anything, but just be an instrument in the hands of God for noble purposes. Mm. Uh, that's the article I want to be. I, I don't know. I never dreamt I was going to be able to do all this. I mean, we feel very honored. Sometimes when people yeah. talk about, oh, you did this, you did that, I'll just have goosebumps. And it's like, wow, really? You know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm just happy that God has seen me as an article to be used. Uh, Richard, yeah. sinful, trying to mold me and all that, and that I can be useful. I think every day that's what I want to pray. Mm. God, keep using me. Make me an article yeah. of noble purpose. Yeah. And uh, whatever that is, God will 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 make you that. Yes. You know, that's an answer God. It's a prayer. A prayer God answers quickly. He will, he will mm. and, yeah. and just surrender to him and let him use you yeah. the best way he can. So, wow. Well, Chris and Relio, thank you so much for your time. And I'm reminded of the scripture when Paul said, you know, are you not my crown and my joy? And mm. I think about all of the people that you've impacted, all of the churches that you've planted and how you must be filled with a sense of pride and a sense of joy at all the people that are in your crown and you'll present to God uh, when, when you pass. And I think it's very inspiring and super inspiring to me and I'm sure very inspiring to others listening. And I just want to say, just you know, be praying for your work there and please pray for our work here. And I look forward yes. to our paths crossing at some point in the future. Oh, Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.